right. Good morning. Grace free. It's so good to be here with you. And um, I wish it was under better circumstances, but it's, it's so uh, uh, such an honor to just sit in, stand in for, for Josh and also be a part of your um, grief and healing process with the loss of Randy, who, who was dear to myself and, and many, many of you. So thank you again for the opportunity to be here, and I pray that uh, we have an awesome time together. All right? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for just the, the privilege to be here and to worship you and to sing praises unto you because it doesn't have to be that way. But by the finished work of Jesus Christ, we're able to enter the holies of holies at any moment and any time. So we thank you. Spirit of God, I just welcome you here, that you would just do what you do best in all of our hearts. God, I pray that, myself included, we will leave changed because we've been with you. So, Father, I pray as we now sit at your feet to learn from you, that you would just empower me to uh, speak a truth that will help the transformational process in the hearts and minds of your people throughout all generations. So, Spirit of God, please come and remove me out of the way that you will only be seen and heard. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, there are many things in life that I desired to be. Uh, matter of fact, I, I wanted to be the, an owner of a ranch, believe it or not. This guy from Compton, California, I had this dream of owning cattle and on a thousand hills, but never happened. Maybe God to have, you know, in that, in that, that in my future. I also shared earlier that uh, I wanted nine kids. I wanted one more than I was, uh, the last, and my wife of close to 35 years had a different story, and she stopped at three. <laughs> Uh, and, and listen, there's so many other things that I desired to be, some I've accomplished, some I will never accomplish on this side of heaven. And I'm sure like me, you may have some things that you have desires to be and also uh, had desires, but you too fell short in that desire. Some you may have accomplished, but there's one thing in for sure, or one, if you, if you would, Thing that God has called each one of us to be who are followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to be his witnesses. The challenge is this, though. The challenge is that in life, we will hear, hear and have all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of distractions that will impede our ability to become the witnesses that he has called and created us to be. Um, we have had a lot of different things happen in the last 18, 20 months. But not only uh, worldwide or, if you would, locally in your region, but even you personally, you've had some things occur that can easily derail you, distract you, and deter you from being the witnesses that God has called and created you to be. But as you, as you know, Acts chapter 1, 
verse 8 says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says, and you shall be. Didn't say possibly. Didn't say if it feels comfortable or not. He says, you shall be. Didn't say if you're young, old, middle-aged, black, white, pink, purple, rich, poor. He says, you shall be my witnesses. But I think the most profound question that we must wrestle with is why? Why not? Why do we struggle so much? Why do we allow the obstacles and the determinants and the frustrations and the cares and the concerns of this world are personally uh, hinder us from becoming just what he wants us to be? You see, because when we become witnesses of the finished work of Jesus Christ, that means that we become witnesses who are mothers, who are fathers, who are sisters, who are brothers, who are businessmen, businesswomen, et cetera, et cetera. You see, but if we flip it and we said, no, I first want to be a businessman and then secondarily a witness, chances are you never become an effective witness. And potentially even hinder you from becoming all that you could be as a businessman or businesswoman. You see, if your main goal is I want to have a family and I want to be the best mom, a better mom than my mom could ever be, be a best dad because my dad wasn't there, and that's your main goal and that's what you want to be, chances are you're going to fall short in that and be just like your dad because you haven't first become what you are called and created to be, and that's his witness. To be his witness, and you'll be the best dad in the whole wide world. Be a witness, be the best mom you can ever be. Be, a business, uh, be his witness, you'll be the best businesswoman, businessman, community leader, whoever you are. You could ever dream or imagine if you first be the witnesses that he died for. Amen? So what I like to do is I want to examine uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but I want to do it in, in light of and tethered to verse 7 because so many times we'll recite verse 8, we will memorize verse 8, we will preach verse 8, we will post verse 8, and we disconnect it from verse 7. And we're going to see why today. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever device that you have, can, let, can we all turn to Acts chapter 1? We're going to read verse 4 through 8 to gather the full context, okay? So it says in verse 4, Gathering them together, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard uh, from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Right, little political stuff nestled within there. Verse 7, he said to them, 
is it not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, I'm going to read that again because you see the word but, English majors, right? Is it that but says eight is connected to what? Seven, right? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So there's two questions I would like to answer for you today. The first is this, what hinders us from being these witnesses? What hinders us from being the witnesses that Christ died for? Second question we'll answer is, how then do we become these witnesses that Christ died for? You ready? You ready? Yeah. All right. Verse 7 again. First part of verse 7 says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epics. One of the first and greatest hindrances that prevents you and I from being the witnesses that Jesus died for is we become so fixated and focused on the times and the epics. We have cycled through what I call the big three. Let me revisit those. One of the first was the racial tensions. The second were, was COVID. The third was politics. It has caused such chaos in the body of Christ like I've never, ever seen before. Because we're focused on the times and the epics. Listen to what three key words help us to define this a little bit better. The word know means to understand, to perceive, and here's the key part of the definition, to feel. See, all of us were feeling the times and the epics. You ever been there? Were you there? Are you still there? Feeling the times and the epics. Oh, feelings, 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 all haywire. To a point that you're posting stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and tweeting, twatting, all this stuff, right? You know, and, and, and it's causing such tension in the body of Christ and causing us all to lose our way. Second key word, the word times, the Greek word chronos, chronology, means time either long, short, or measured time. So you can kind of say this, short term, long term, and anything in between. So focused on what's happening today, what could happen tomorrow, and even what happened yesterday. So focused and fixated on all the events, which leads to our third definition, epochs, which means the state of the times. The state of, I've never seen things like this before. Can you believe in the United States we were in mass? Can you believe such tension? I've never seen the times be like it is today. So focused, so focused on the times. The word epics also means this, the things and events of the time. 
all the, the events that has happened globally, in the U.S., and even locally, so focused on it. But listen to what the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 and 2. It says this. Now, as to times and epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. So Paul is simply saying to the church, I'm not going to even write to you about times and epics. There's no need for me to even write it down for you. And he goes on to say, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. In other words, right, no thief ever will call you or text you and say, I'm about to rob your house. <laughs> so do you, do you live life saying, okay, when they're going to call, 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 I'm sure that thief is going to call me tomorrow. We don't live our lives that way. But then 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 suggests the consequences of getting so focused on times and epics. Listen to what it says. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from their faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of hypocrisy of liars, and their own conscience as with and their own conscience as with branding ours sealed excuse me seared their own conscience as with branding ours have you seen so many people's conscience so seared today that can you believe they just posted that right seared seared can you believe they just said that how many of you have said that that you can believe that they said that People you thought you know, you didn't know because they're so focused on the times and the epics and lost focus on what we should be. You see, focusing on the uncontrollables will cause us to lose our primary focus. We cannot control this. You see, for the record, it's going to get worse. Read the end of the book. It's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It will get worse because he's promised that it's going to get worse. But, but let me kind of bring it, the big picture, down to, to you. You see, uh, for personal application's sake, you will have epic times in your own life. I've had a few over this last year. Epic times will knock on your door. It will find himself on your front porch. Epic times even occurred in people's marriages throughout all this. Epic times began to happen in parents' life who now had to watch their kids versus sending them to school. Epic times happened in marriages when they, the husband couldn't just go out to work, but he was forced to stay home, and then, you follow me? And then he was forced to deal with issues epically, right? You as a church are going through an epic time now because you've lost a great man. 
it's an epic time. But it's necessary to grieve, but always understand that it concerns God more than it concerns you. What hinders us from being his witness? Verse 7 also says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has, second part, has fixed by his own authority. Focusing on the times and epochs, and here's the second part that derails us, is focusing on being in control. Or being as God. For the record, we're all control freaks. We're all control freaks. And I'm the chief. <laughs> we're all control freaks. Can we be honest and level with each other? We want to be in control. But listen to what the scriptures teach. This is what the Father has fixed every time in epic. And it is by his own authority. The word fixed means is to put in a secret place. So think about this. God is simply saying to you and I, everything that is going on around you, everything that's on your front porch and everything that's happened publicly, you know what? He has put it all in a secret place and it's not for you to know all about it. Right, do, do, do you remember when when you discovered that Santa Claus didn't exist and now your mom and dad are not hiding the presents. I'd see, you know, being eight kids, we, we, were, we were searched and we were divided up in the house. You go look on there. You look in this room. You look, look under the bed. You look here. You look in the closet. And, right, and there was limited spaces that a parent could ultimately hide the present in a secret place. Because it was by the parent's authority that I purchased the present and I'm hiding it. So you can't have it until the designated time. Inevitably, what we did was once they started finding themselves underneath the Christmas tree, we start shaking it. We start peeling it back a little bit and thinking that mom and dad didn't notice that it would be peeled open, right? And trying to see and discover everything that our parents are saying, it is not the time for you to see this. And what God is saying to you and I here is that no, no, it, I'm in control. It is my responsibility to keep it away from you. And it is in this secret place only for me to know why all of this is happening. It's not for you to figure it out. The other key word is authority. It means his influence, his power of choice. The last definition of this word, authority, means he has the liberty to do as one pleases. God is sovereign, and he has absolute authority 
to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, with, with whom he desires to do it with. And we need to stop playing God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 affirms it, uh, his authority and this control is found in this secret place of Christ. Listen to what it says. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed, same word as fixed, secret place. Heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and exact representation of his nature, upholds all things by the word of his power. So listen, the, the only thing that we need to focus on is who? Jesus. That's where he wants us to find the treasure and our focus is Christ and Christ alone. But our witness and being his witnesses every single day of our lives will be disrupted, distracted, deterred if we, one, continue to focus on the times and the epics, and two, continue to try to play God. Remember I said we all have our times and epics? Listen, ladies. If you continue to try to play God with your husband, he will never, ever become the man that you need to love you. Guys, times and epics, you know that, that your wife is not respecting you like you should. Your children aren't respecting you like you want them to respect you. That's a time and epics for you. And you can focus on and focus on and focus on, focus on and lose your witness in your family. She's going to respect me. They're going to respect me. Because I'm daddy, because I'm the man. And try to play God and see if it works. Even in, your, in, even in your singleness and you're trusting God for a husband and keep trying to find a man for yourself. It's an epic time for you for God to show up and be God or you try to play God and get your heart broken over and over and over and over again because you're trying to find someone for you Versus allowing God to, to cause him to find you and then find a good thing. Right? So you have this big narrative of the world times and epics. And each one of us goes through our individual times and epics that we cannot focus on them. And we cannot think that we can control it ourselves and be God. In doing so, 
it'll cause us to lose our primary focus as just being the witnesses for Jesus Christ. Amen? So how do we just be his witnesses? Let's back up to verse 7, and we're going to look at verse 8. It says this, He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. So this is, this is Christianity 101. This is the first answer to the question of how do we, how do we allow, how, how do we, excuse me, how do we become these witnesses? The first thing we have to do is allow the Father to handle his business. In other words, let God be God and let Daddy, right, be able to, to take care of the times and the epics. Relinquish control. And you see this necessary first step in every place within the scriptures. You look at all the heroes of the faith. You look at Moses, he had his encounter. You look at Joshua, right? He had his encounter. You look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Rahab. You look at all, David. You look at all the heroes of the faith throughout the scriptures. Their first encounter with God was, you are no longer Lord over your own life. You have to relinquish control. You have to come to a place in your life that you say, God, I'm not God. You are God. I have no power, but you have all power. God, I know nothing. You know everything. God, I can't do anything, but you can do all things. He will back you in a corner as a man until you come to the place in your life that you say, God, I surrender all. I have no control over my wife. I have no control over my children. I have no control over my business. I have no control over my future. And then some way, somehow, the light of Jesus begins to shine through you like never before. You see, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 reminds us of this. It says, For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Do you realize, guys, listen, there's the privilege to be the man. You have a right. You've been established as the man. You didn't make yourself a man. Listen, men and women, if you're a businessman or woman, do you realize he is the one who's established you? Do you realize he's the one who sets up presidents, congressmen, senators, judges, everybody that you can disagree with? Do you realize it is but by the sovereign hand of God? He sets up, he brings down. He says the king's heart is in the Lord's hand. It's like a running river that he can control, and he turns it whatever he wishes. Do you realize the scripture says that he even make, creates vessels of righteousness and a right, unrighteousness for his glory? God has all power. Return all authority back to your heavenly father. It's your first step in becoming his witnesses. 
Number two, we find in the first part of verse eight, it says, but you will receive power. Start living life empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, the word power means this, two key definitions, moral power and excellence of soul. What you do on the outside and who you are on the inside. who you are on the outside and who you are on the inside. Excellence of soul. The word soul means that is that immaterial part of man where you have your intellect, listen, your reasoning. That's where you have your emotions, your passions, your desires. In other words, that's that part of you that people start finding out about once it manifests on the outside. If you're passionate about fishing, well, guess what's going to happen? Chances are you're not going to be at certain places at certain times because you're going to be aware, gone fishing. And people are not going to realize that that's a passion of your soul until they find you where all the time. Listen, moms, listen. You know why dads eventually find out that you're passionate about the kids? What's on the inside start coming out. No matter if you're passionate about sports, passionate about whatever in life, passionate about your business, passionate about what you do day in and day out, you know why your boss recognizes that you're passionate about it? Because you're at work all the time, and you're there on time, and you're there probably longer than anyone else on the job. Therefore, that's a passionate desire. What keeps you up at night, what wakes you up in the morning, that is what is nestled in your soul. But is it Jesus who keeps you up at night, wakes you up in the morning, give you the reason to work? While you're fishing, you're thinking about fishing fishers of men. That's the excellence of soul. You see, here's a couple examples of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, verse 1 and 3 suggests an empowered life that thinks of others like Christ does. Listen to what it says. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach, you fell on me. So in other words, you, Philippians 2, you think of others more important than yourself. You see, that's the, that's the moral power. That's not all about me. The world doesn't revolve around me. I consider others more important than me. I serve others. I, I, I'm, I don't have to be called on first, but I do because I want to serve and I want to be like Jesus. I don't have to be coerced to serve. I don't have to be coerced to do things on the outside because it is the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. It is the least I can do. 
is to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and what? Pleasing unto him. It's the least I can do. But then this moral of excellence of soul, listen to it. This excellence of soul, it says in Romans 15, verse 13, it says, described as this empowered living in life. It says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, no matter what is going on around me, greater is he that is in me than what he that is in the world. Listen, the whole nation can be collapsing, but guess what I will have? I will have his peace. I will have his joy. I will have hope. Why? Because he lives within me. I have such moral excellence of soul. I have excellence of soul that's not controlled by anything that goes on or off around me. I'm good because he lives in me. I have joy, love, peace, long-suffering, temperance, self-control. I have faith because his spirit lives within me. See, living with an empowered life by the Holy Spirit is not only for your good, but for the good of those around you. How do we handle these difficult times and continue to be as witnesses? Ladies and gentlemen, start letting God be God. Let him father you. Let him be in control. Let him deal with the difficult things globally, locally, personally. Affectionately, we have this term in our house. Whenever we may be in someone's business, we say, we say it this way. Uh, can, can you get out of my Kool-Aid? Because you don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of God's Kool-Aid. Because <laughs> we don't mix. Let him handle his business. And start living an empowered life. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, let his Holy Spirit, who lives within each one of us who believe, do what he does best in us and through us. Amen? Amen. Lastly, verse 8 again, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you should be my witnesses. Listen to what it says closely. Both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and, and when you put the and there, it really means all Judea and all Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world. The third answer to the question of how do we just be as witnesses is that we must start employing the process. He said, Jerusalem, all Judea, all Samaria. 
in the uttermost parts of the world. You see, when you look back in the book of Acts, and you read the entire book of Acts, uh, just to let you know, the book of Acts, it means the Acts of the Apostles, but I like to say it more theologically proper, the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. Regular people, just like you and I, but regular people who are stubborn, just like you and I, who heard this, and right before the church was established, but still stayed in Jerusalem. <laughs> you know why? Because we're homogeneous, because we like our kind, we like our food, we like our neighborhood, we like our people, right? And, and, that, and that can go from your nuclear family, right? That everybody in the Brown family, we got this special thing going on, and everybody else, I don't know about what's wrong with you guys, but we got this little special thing with Jesus going on, and we're happy and dapper and just everything's going well with us. Right? We're good. We're saved. We're sanctified. We're, praise the Lord, everything's good. And we forget about everybody else around us. Or if we're a little bit more religious, we say, oh, it's, you know, grace free. Commitment church. You know, we've got our special thing going on and you need to come to grace. You need to come to commitment because we got it all figured out. You, you follow me? Uh, then, of course, it get, God gets real personal. You know, when that person doesn't eat your same kind of food, uh, don't look like you, walk like you, talk like you, dress like you, then it starts getting complicated. But one thing is for sure, when you read the scriptures further along in Acts, he nudged them through persecution to go to Judea. Then they kind of stayed in a certain part of Judea. Judea where the Jews are hanging out. Then he nudged them a little further. Then he said, okay, I'm going to all. Because all means what? All. Then, then he said, okay, well, you're not stopping in, Ju in Judea. I'm going to push you in Samaria. And then he says, okay, well, you think you're good now because now you're with the Samaritans. Because, you know, the conflict Jews and Samaritans. Oh, you're with the Samaritans, right? So you really accomplished something. You went on that missions trip and you're really good now, right? And God said, no, I'm not going to stop you there because you're going to go, you're going to fulfill the entire process no matter how uncomfortable it makes you feel. So let me make it real to you. So this is what God would do to you and me. So, you know, those people that maybe you're not comfortable with, some way, somehow, your daughter or your son marries them. <laughs> it's like, dang, I can't believe it. They start moving in your neighborhood. You start working with them. You lose your job. You got to relocate, and now you living with them. God would just tip your table over and force you to accomplish what he has commanded. Then that adopted child comes into the family. I can't believe 
I can love someone like this with that complexion. Huh. Yeah. We all have the capacity. You, you feel me? <laughs> that's, that's what God would do. He would just turn your world upside down if you don't do it on your own. And he's like any good father, right? Dads, think about this. So if you have a son like I do, when Josh was growing up, he, early on, when it was, he was, you know, so high, hey, Josh, want to come take out the trash? Me, yeah, daddy, can I, can I, can I carry a daddy? Can I carry a daddy? And he wants to carry the trash out. Dad, can I help you cut the grass? Oh, daddy, daddy, can I, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. And he's just loving it. And then, Something called age and maturity kicks in, right? And before you know it, well, no, you know, Josh, Josh, can you please take out the trash? You, you're not paying rent. You don't have a job. Can you just take out? I don't want your mother to come to me anymore, Josh, to tell me that you're not taking, right? I mean, and it's like, and one of the greatest joys of a father is this. Just do what I ask you to do when I ask you to do it. Do you realize that is one of the greatest joys of the Father? Just do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it. So if he's told us to go to Jerusalem, good, but don't stop there. Don't allow his heavy hand to force you individually and a church to go to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You see, and the beautiful thing about this is it takes more than just Pastor Josh. Do you realize it takes more than just your other pastors, your other staff members to get this done? It's just not Josh's responsibility to create a video, to reach your neighbor. You should be doing it before him. Do you realize that it takes each one of you to come together as a healthy body to do your individual parts of the body as he has assigned you in this local church just as he wills to get it done. Do, do you realize that grace-free church probably can't go to Jerusalem, excuse me, go to Judea without you. Do you realize that grace-free church cannot go to Samaria without you? Or the almost parts of the world without you? God has assigned you here to be in this place for this moment in time in history to be his witnesses. But it takes all of you. 
So, side note, if you're not in the game, get off the sideline and get in the game. Uh, we have a, a phrase we use at our church, uh, many hands make light work. Let me give you an example of this. So, uh, I was doing some landscaping, and my neighbor had this, uh, and maybe you all know this, but being a city guy, I didn't realize this. So, uh, we, we, he had this trailer, and we were going to pick up some slate so we can, you know, trim out our garden and everything. And so, we went to the, uh, the garden center, and they load the pallet of slate in the center of the, the trailer, and and my friend tried to pull off. Well, guess what happened? Because the weight was what? In one area of the trailer. Then we had this novel idea. Let's break the pallet, same weight, and disperse it in the trailer. And guess what we were able to do? Drive away and unload it at my house. Same weight, same weight, same weight, same weight, evenly distributed. Then we were able to move forward. Being his witnesses means you're gonna carry your weight. God's called you here, carry your weight. Employing the process says you will intentionally go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of this world. Amen. So today, if you're still fixated on and if you need some further clarity of your responsibility, I want to end with this passage of Scripture, Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14. I'm sure you probably heard this, many of you. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Verse 7. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will, be and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Listen to what the text says in verse 12. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. But this is verse 14 that, that I want you to play, pay close attention to. It says, 
This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So if you today are walking around like the first century church saying, Maranatha, 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 come quickly, Lord. The only way it's going to come quickly, quickly is that we must go quickly and be his witnesses. So two things. The only responsibility that we have as witnesses of Jesus Christ is to establish his kingdom on this earth. It's not about this earthly kingdom. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about earthly rulers, but it's about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's the only one we bow down to. He's the only one we worship. He's the only one we promote. He's the only one we proclaim is Christ and Christ alone. And your only concern should be, are we preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in all the world to all nations to all generations? It's the only thing you need to be concerned about. What concerns him is what should concern us. And here's the beautiful part of this. God does not discount what concerns you, but what he does say, seek first my kingdom and its righteousness. Then all these things, which includes times and epics, will be taken care of. Let's pray. Father, it is such a privilege to know that you got it all figured out. And you've given us a clear process, a clear way of doing it. Because God, you've said to us that if it is our responsibility to make disciples of all nations, tribes, and tongues, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you said that uh, for us to teach them to, command, uh, to, to obey all the commands and all that you commanded us. And you said, lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. Jesus, we want you to be with us. We want you to be present here at Grace Free like never, ever before. But we must be about your business. But there must, may be one today who may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Do you realize that you are a part of the world? You're part of that Jerusalem and that Judea, that Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You are included in that, and he wants to rescue you. And if today you're here or watching if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't know if you die today, where you're going to go. You, you don't have hope for tomorrow. It's a great opportunity right now to allow Jesus to be the shepherd of your soul.
how does this happen? All you need to do is just surrender your life to him. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you've just been doing things your own way. I call it going down a one-way street the wrong way. But then you realize, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Then you repent, change your mind, and go the right way. And then you acknowledge him as your Lord and your risen Savior. And I can lead you in a short prayer to accomplish that. And, th and if this is you, just say these words with me. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I realize today that I've been going the wrong way, doing my own thing. But I now repent and ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Because I now recognize that you, Jesus, came to die for me. You were buried for me. You rose again from the grave just for me. Jesus, please come into my heart, my life to live forever, to rule as my king and my Lord until I see you face to face. But if you've already prayed that prayer and you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your risen Savior, could you right now just reflect upon your life and just ask yourself the question, what has been my hindrance what has been my personal obstacle? Who has been my obstacle for me being the witness of Jesus like I should be? And can you reconcile that with God right now? If it's a person, if it's, a, if it's your job, if it's your career, if it's your passion, whatever it is, that's not Jesus. Can you fix that right now with him? Just ask him to forgive you. And covenant within your heart that, okay, God, I, I, I've been distracted by the big three. I've been distracted by all the nonsense in my life, in the world. Forgive me. But I covenant with you today, Jesus, to promote you and you alone. And if you're here today or watching, could you just stand to your feet with me? Please, could you stand to your feet? And with your mind, just lifting your hands with me. And God, I just pray for your people that you give them the courage and confidence to be your witnesses, both privately and publicly. That, God, that they would not be distracted or deterred or discouraged by any created thing. But they will fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of their faith. Help them to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the good work of the Lord, knowing that their toil is never in vain. Bless them and keep them and let your face and your grace shine upon them in this church and to the next generation. God, I pray you empower them to go into the highways and the hedges and the byways, compelling people to come in that your house of worship may be filled. Give them courage to go to their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world until we see you face to face. In the magnificent and most powerful name of Jesus Christ, 
we all together say, Amen. Amen. Can we give him a wonderful hand? Come on. Thank you.